Hello, hello, and welcome to the Awesome in Seattle podcast. This is Christian Awesome with the Awesome and Awesome Group, and I am here with the beautiful... Charlotte Reynolds. <laughs> the beautiful Jason Solari. Oh, sorry, I didn't say that. You can't the beautiful. call yourself beautiful. You have to be dubbed And Jeff Keller. <laughs> Not so beautiful. <laughs> to be clear, my mom calls me beautiful as well, so... Okay. So, today is a very special episode. We have not had a guest on this podcast yet, and I think we're starting it off the right foot with one of our favorite people in the industry, Mr. Jeff Keller of wow. Alki Inspections. <laughs> you can send me the check later. I already have. <laughs> <laughs> I just Venmoed you. <laughs> so this is, this is going to be an episode all about home inspections, and we're kind of going to explain why you'd want to do one, but also some of the pros and cons of doing it and, and kind of what to expect. So before we get started with Mr. Jeff Keller, I want to ask Charlotte and Jason, you two agents, I'm going to ask you a couple rapid fire questions. I need some answers quickly. Hope your brains are up to speed. Are we competing? Definitely. Always. Is there a prize? Prize yeah. is winning. Winning. Yeah. I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, you ready? Yep. True or false? A good inspector will tell you at least one issue found with a house. True. She's correct. She beat me. She totally beat you. Where were you? <laughs> Messing with the sound levels or something, <laughs> Mr. Producer? All right. Two. Should you always get an inspection on a house? Yes. yes. Even new construction? Yes. Especially. There you go. Good job. Uh, why would you bring a marble to a house? Many reasons, the most logical being to see how level the floor is. Mm, smart man. <laughs> Where are you at, Charlotte? Jeez. Sorry. All right, multiple choice. During home inspections, what percentage of Seattle area homes do we find to have or had current or have had evidence of rodent activity? 5%, 15%, 35%, or over 50%? Over 50%. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I anywhere my Jeff ex lived. <laughs> Let's read the Seattle Times. They said it's 20%. Are you serious? <laughs> I feel like it's like three quarters of the houses it's, we look it's, at. It's two thirds to three quarters. Yeah. It's they a have the history or, or activity now. Yeah. It is funny showing houses with people. As agents, we see it, rodents, like mm -hmm. what we're saying here, mm -hmm. in almost every house. And eight clients are like, oh, no, I can't look at this house because this it has a rat infestation or a rat trap or something. Mm -hmm. And we come from a, like, oh, no, every every house has this almost. A, like, it's an amazing yeah. when it doesn't, you know. Yeah, it's exactly. Fun, it's funny, this discussion yeah. that we always have to have with clients. Yeah. They were here first. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're kind of taking over their area. That's what uh, we think. <laughs> all right, a couple more. Hmm. Let's see. I'm going to ask Charlotte this. What is a sewer scope? A sewer scope is when you put a camera down the sewer line to check for problems like cracks, like blockage, and anything like that. Okay. Jason, what are some clues that would tell you that you need to get a sewer scope done? Uh, audit, so things draining really slowly. Um, potentially weird noises, like when you're flushing um, the toilet. Hopefully only when you're flushing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even like a gurgling or... If you have uh, smells, that's not necessarily a sewer scope issue, but more of a plumbing issue. Um, and then I guess what I always look for is in the yard, like how many plants there are and trying to understand where the sewer line goes. And if the sewer line is around a lot of plants, 
you know, roots like water and that's what sewer lines carry. So mm-hmm. as well as other stuff. That's logical. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, last one. Should you intend, should you as a buyer attend your home inspection? Yes. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I talk to agents in other areas mm-hmm. like outside the state mm-hmm. and, uh, and even in the areas, every agent's a little different here, but I think it's always good to have the client at the inspection. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessary. It's not like you can't get one done mm-hmm. without being there. But the fact that that you can be there and ask questions is very important. I mean, what's your opinion on that, Jeff? I, I think the best way to attend it, if I were a buyer, mm-hmm. is to be on site but not follow the inspector around. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to be understand what's going on when an inspector's doing an inspection. Mm-hmm. And the questions are going to get you confused more than really give you answers. So there's a filtering process that goes on when I'm looking at a home Mm -hmm. or any inspector is. And at the end of that, I can break it down to a more reasonable amount of information so they can go away knowing something and remembering it. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. I mean, I'll I'll also explain this. There are two different types of home inspections. There's a pre-inspection, which is when you're literally just following the inspector and walking around and getting a verbal report of the house. This is this was more common when it was a very competitive market and there were multiple offers and you had to waive your inspection contingency. You didn't you still got an inspection, you just got something called a pre-inspection. That's when it's a little bit more important to follow the inspector or at least somewhat leg behind him, let him do his thing or her thing and and then ask questions. But during a, a full inspection where you are, and I'm pointing at Jeff, podcast listeners, mm-hmm. uh, you are going to write a report for the client and you are going to be able to read the entire thing. But at the same time, you need to do your stuff, look through the house, go in the crawl space, go in the attic. We're not going to follow you in there, at least if some people do, but that's pretty rare. <laughs> I think we've had one person ever that in my 15 plus years go in the crawl space with you. Um Really? Yeah. That is so weird. It was a little awkward. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted a massage. That was like, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I stay behind and clean out, uh, up any of the pieces that fall. <laughs> That's true. You do. <laughs> <laughs> and by pieces, we mean rodent drags. Yeah, so, but, I, but it does, getting back to kind of what um, Christian said before, and Jason too, it's really important to have them there. So that you can grab them and walk them to something and see, show them that there's mm-hmm. this is this is something I want you to see, regardless of the amount of pictures I take or how much verbiage there is. It's great that you got your hands on it or eyes on it with me, mm-hmm. because you may have some questions that I may not even think of that yeah. matter to you. So yeah, exactly. very true. What um, Jeff? What are some important but very inexpensive safety fixes that that homeowners should look for or home buyers should look for what are some things that that don't really cost a lot but definitely need to be paid attention to i think things like well on a deck loose railings on a deck so common mm-hmm. especially if your home's 20 years old no matter what you'd use for fasteners even the correct way per permit or per code to, to build it um, it probably has never been touched mm-hmm. and so just a quick look at how to either reattach add attachment or just tighten the bolt, the carriage bolts you have on the posts. I just saw that the other day on a house built in 1993. It was really loose. All it took was just tightening up the bolts. Mm. Um, in the kitchen, things like, you know, we always test the water temperature. Te- water temperature is extremely important. There's a case a couple of years ago up in Linwood where a woman was killed by hot water in her shower. 
She fell, grabbed the handle when she slipped, and it turned on the hot water blast, or full blast on her, and it was 143 degree water. So she passed away because of the burns. So it's really important to know the water temperature. We were looking for 120 degrees. If it's 105, you're not getting your clothes clean or your dishes clean or you clean. Mm-hmm. Um, not as easily anyway. So it's um, it's important to know that that we get a we have safe but if, but effective water temperature. It's also really important. One of the things we see over and over again is the anti tip missing from the oven range top. Mm-hmm. Um, that prevents it from tipping over if somebody a kid steps on the door or if you lean against it or pull against it because you're falling. Mm-hmm. Um, super common, and when you demonstrate it to a buyer, it's so easy to show them how quick it is to flip over. I mean, it just yeah. takes nothing to flip it over. And then all the contents of the stovetop are laying on top of you. Yeah, exactly. You got a giant pot of boiling water and you tip it over, falls right on top so, of you when you're on So, you know, the that's a yeah. $15, $20 deal and 15, 20-minute fix. Mm-hmm. And, and the water temperature is simply just adjusting on your water heater. Yeah. That's like if you have one of those tankless water heaters, they generally have the thermostat right on there. And it's yeah. just and it will literally LED. a display yeah. yeah and it tells you what temperature it's at and it's important to know that if you if it shows 120 you're, you're likely not delivering 120 mm-hmm. so you go to the spots that really matter most if you have a utility sink or a lot of people actually test the water the hot water right out of their uh, washing machine hmm. um, or the in the sink of course or a bathroom mm-hmm. and just use a thermometer in a glass and fill it up with hot water and let it run and see how hot you can get it it's a good good tip I never thought of that so anti-tip device for the stove slash oven, uh, and then hot water. Just make sure it's not over 120 degrees when right. it's coming out Too of the faucet. Ones. That's those are the super simple. The hot water is basically free, yeah. And anti-tips 15, 20 bucks. Yep. And 20 minutes of screwing in two pieces of metal to the floor. Right. Or or depending on what depending the, on the style, right? Yeah, depending on the style. Available everywhere. Yeah. Another thing that will be called out in most inspections that I've been on is always the location and presence of smoke detectors and CO monitors, right? Mm-hmm. Jeff, can you explain what that is supposed to be and the importance of having that? Yeah, and it's it's also important to note that they keep changing that. They're adding more and more protection all the time. <clears throat> so excuse me. So the you have to have a CO detector in an open space of each floor. That has to be somewhere oriented toward, if you're on a sleeping floor, oriented toward the bedroom doors. Um, Typically, there's a bedroom hall upstairs. You put it in the center of that. There needs to be a smoke detector in the open space of each floor. So a lot of times those are together as a combination detector. Um, The bedrooms, each sleeping area in the house, it doesn't have to be a designated bedroom, but just a likely sleeping area in the house um, needs to have a smoke detector. And those should be oriented toward the door, but not up against the door. Typically, they talk about a three-foot area of dead air in mm. a corner or next to a door hmm. and stay outside of that area. Interesting. But okay. so you, but they're also moving to, like if you have a basement furnace or water heater that's gas or oil uh, fired, to have a smoke detector, CO detector, no closer than five feet from that and no further away than 20 feet to give you a, a little bit of an alarm from the basement that you may hear on the main floor. Yeah, okay. Um, so that's, that's kind of the basics. You, yeah, that's a good overview. It always gets called out, and people are always like, "Oh no!" And it's it's similar to the water temperature, the the hot water temperature. It's just such a simple thing, such a simple and inexpensive fix for sure. Yep. Another thing that you've been bringing up a lot is uh, anti siphon. Um, installing anti siphon spig- on the water spigots on the hoses. On yeah. hoses, yeah. Can and, you and explain so, the benefit of that? Yeah, so typically in the 90s, they stopped using a, a non-anti-siphon device. So the device is built into the plumbing in the 90s. 
Um, and you can tell when it's and when it's built on the outside of the house in the hose bib because the hose bib will have a screw off cap on top and you'll see there'll be another piece on top of the typical hose bib if you don't see that then you have to assume even though you may not be right there mm -hmm. could be a backflow valve but you have to assume that there's no anti-siphoning and a little five dollar device will keep water from backing into your house if the water pressure in your house is less than it is in the hose so if you have gravity like you're spraying roundup and it's connected to your hose and you have a bit of a grade in your backyard and you're spraying it and then all of a sudden out in front of your house there's they're working on the the water line or the the fire department's testing the water line testing the hydrant and the water pressure of the house drops below the water pressure that's created by you being up on the hill um, that water in the hose backs right into the domestic water so you next time you turn on the sink and pull out a glass you're drinking roundup and water mm -hmm. so yeah <laughs> So and there's and there's a great video that they showed us when we were going to school about it. Watching a guy go down on one knee <laughs> oh. after he drank it. But oh. but uh, the the point is, it's such a simple five dollar uh, five minute hookup. And just a little quick hint: um, when you go to find one, Home Depot sells them. Nobody at Home Depot that works there knows that they sell them. So you have to go to where the black iron gas pipe is, where the gas line is sold and you have and um, and stored and all the accessories and in there there's a small little box and they're in there hmm. for some reason that's kind of the spot they don't really have a facing that is typical in the plumbing area hmm. i know i bought some on amazon and it was actually kind of hard to find them even on there yeah and they're and it, it's such a great little device and you know you'd think it'd be yeah you think it'd be actually be up by the register yeah exactly <laughs> quick pickup yep but it was like you said like six or seven bucks it was not expensive yeah simple deal yeah so what do you look for? I guess this is a question for everyone, even myself. What do we look for with good inspectors? What makes an inspector a good one? How can you pinpoint that, find a good inspector? Yeah, I think that it's important for the inspector to be like really communicative during the inspection and actually reacting to things that they're seeing in the house and communicating that you know, to the buyers while they're there, which is why I always recommend that the buyers attend the inspection. Um, that firsthand knowledge and getting that directly from the mouth of the inspector, I think is the most valuable thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I would say too that they just need to be able to really be a good educator on what is happening. Because anything wrong with a house for a buyer, whether it's their first house or fifth house, you find an issue, it can sound scary sometimes, and to know that it's not necessarily as scary as it sounds, like the rodent thing. It sounds scary, it sounds gross, but a lot of houses have it, you just have no clue because you never go in your attic or your crawl space. You just don't know that they're already sharing the living space with you. <laughs> uh, well, I guess not your living space, their living space. So it's things like that and having the inspector be able to go hey this is super common this is not a big deal it's not an expensive fix this is how you fix it problem solved move on that's super important in my opinion what about you jason yeah i mean i've worked with a few inspectors jeff who's in here is incredible i'm sure yep. you can already tell just from how he's describing things but um the communication piece i think is really important like what charlotte mentioned honestly i think transparency being mm -hmm. honest oh yeah um just direct and honest that's what uh, there's so much emotion oftentimes during inspections because um the buyers are standing there and they clearly like the house 
and um, just being direct and saying what the issue is or saying, you know, I'm not the expert on this. We need to call an expert for this or mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Just being transparent is the makes it a lot smoother in addition to that communication piece for sure. I worked with an inspector once. Um, my clients, I, I recommended Jeff Keller and they went, okay, but we saw this like five-starred person on Yelp and they called him up and scheduled an appointment with this person. And uh, I met the inspector at the house and it was this guy and he just went through the house and just kind of nodded his head like, mm, okay. And just moved on and I stop him and go whoa, whoa, whoa. this is a pre-inspection you're like you have to tell us what what you're you finding. just nodded at like what's going and you know he would I'd force it out of him but even when he he would try to explain it he just could not speak to what he was looking at mm -hmm. really and so the clients were just left very confused unsure about the house um, and it was all in all a, a pretty bad experience for them and they didn't get much out of the inspection. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, they did two, I think two more inspections and they definitely chose Jeff after that. <laughs> was, they, they were like, we can't, this is crazy. Yeah. We'll listen to you this time, Jason. But um, but yeah, so uh, being able to speak to things, very, very important. Mm -hmm. You have any ideas on that, Jeff? I think, I mean, the, you know, the biggest thing for me, and I have a lot of inspector friends. Yeah, uh, exactly. Good, good That's why I wanted to ask you, because you're not just going to speak for yourself, and, but you have a lot of inspector yeah, friends. Yeah, and I think what we share together, we talk, is that we really want to make sure everybody understands the sticks and bricks that can be fixed. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that earlier, but even going further in more detail is that um, there's nothing I've seen in a house short of that one or two house a year where I just say, you guys, pack up, let's go. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it just, I just explained to you a story about one up in Everett. Yeah. I mean, it's just not going to work. It's, yeah. it's impossible. So most of the time it's something as bad as it looks, as crazy as it sounds, and the words you have to use to describe it scare people. But you say, don't end the conversation or end this paragraph without starting a new one to explain what can be done. Mm -hmm. And then the guys that I know that do that, you know, they seem to have a better rapport with their clients. Yeah. Both brokers and buyers. Yep. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything can be fixed. Um, and there are, like you said, there's definitely houses sometimes where we're in the inspection. We're like, yep, nope, we're done. Like we're 20 and, and, minutes into it and we're already done. In this part of the world, it's usually because slope and slide. Mm -hmm. It's usually a structural because it's, this house isn't staying where it was built. Yep. And you could fix it, <clears> but <throat> it's probably more expensive to fix it than it's worth. And like we talked about earlier also is that, you know, who's going to pay for that? If mm -hmm. the seller can't and all you're getting is a discount, how are you going to pay for it? Yeah, you still got to have cash to pay for right, it. Right, right. Yeah. That's not often the case with the price of houses around here. Exactly. You're already getting in them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can be difficult. I know this is really random, but you always mention this. And I, it, I think surprises a lot of people because they realize pretty much every shower they've ever been in is not finished. So something you do when you go through a house is you go to the shower, you turn on the water, and you're looking for what in terms of the impact of the water on the top. Well, looking if it's if it's ceramic, we're definitely looking for the grout. What, what's how's the grout reacting to water? Um, and what happens if you have a brand new house and you, we mentioned earlier, brand new house is being inspected? They don't seal the grout very often. That's really mm -hmm. rare because the people that install the tile once they once they install the grout and wash the wall, they're gone. That's the last thing they do before cleaning up and going to their van. So that grout is not ready to be sealed yet. It's not cured, so if you were to put a sealer over it, it can do what's called a milking or white out. Essentially, mm -hmm. moisture comes to the surface, 
and it dries with this with the sealer it's really common especially if you use an acrylic but so what we always tell people is check with water pour the water against it whether it's onto a counter and on into the floor you know whatever you have to do just get water in contact with it for a couple of minutes and then turn it off and let it sit and see if it gets darker mm -hmm. darker than the rest of the grout that means it's full of water so there's a really simple product, and, and Jason, I think, actually has some, invested some money in this company, so he can tell you what the name of it is. But <laughs> it's a really good product that very easy to use. It's just like applying water to, to the tile and grout. What's the name of that product? The Impregnator. Oh, that's right, the Impregnator. <laughs> it's also called 511, but <laughs> I can impregnate The best better. name ever It's just for a such a, it, it's an inside joke that we have with all our clients because every inspection, it's just... <laughs> Jeff does the water test, and he's like, Jason, what? The impregnator. <laughs> and it's just such a random product name. And he it, says I, it like that every yeah, time. Of course, yeah. yeah. And it is for sale at every hardware store because it is a really good product, and the mm -hmm. professionals use it. It's a great product. And it's simple to do. You literally just wipe it down on onto the tile. And, and, and so what you're, what you're doing is you're making a big prevent, you're helping to prevent a really big repair. Because damage from water getting behind tile is a huge problem. And mm -hmm. you'll never know it's there until pot, tile starts popping off. Mm -hmm. And once that happens, forget about it. Yep. You're peeling it all. Yep. So the crowd is not intended to be waterproof. What's behind your tiles is, is supposed to be waterproof, but that goes down to just the quality of the workmanship when they mm -hmm. installed it. And also how old. And how old it is. Because a lot of times in the old days, they'd use products that now everybody looks at and says, oh, that'll never work. Mm -hmm. The last American type products are just waterboard. I mean, that just doesn't work. I've seen so many houses where you pull off the four and a quarter ceramic and it's just green board mm -hmm. behind it. Yeah. So, I mean, you need to do everything you can to defend yourself against opening your wallet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I got a question in terms of foundation. So as agents, we're always looking for any major issues, red flags that we need to keep an eye out to protect our clients from getting too invested in a house when we're just looking at it for the first time. Even if the floor plan makes perfect sense, if we find something that's horribly wrong with the house, we're going to tell them, hey, let's move on. Sometimes there's things that look horribly wrong that really aren't. And a lot of those happen in the basement or the crawl space or the foundation wall, really. Some of those are a lot of white, dusty powder and cracks. Those are the two things. So maybe explain with cracks just kind of explain what are ones that not you don't have to worry about and maybe the difference between the ones you do need to worry about well for sure there's going to be cracks in a foundation just from curing it gets cracked yeah so and those typical vertical cracks is what we call in a report a typical crack you don't need to worry about them but you do need to monitor everything you always need to check and we you know we always talk about an annual inspection of your house just walk around and look at everything is visible you should go in your crawl space once a year, even if it's just a quick look. You should look in your attic once a year. So part of looking in your crawl spaces has that crack changed from last year. Mm -hmm. the, so those are pretty common and typical and typically not a problem. Where you look for a problem, where you see a problem is when you see displacement. So the foundation cracks and then it moves, the, both walls move independently of each other. Mm. And often what you see is a V crack. So if you see a V-crack on the side of a house, go around to the other side of the house, you'll probably see the same V-crack. Mm -hmm. So by V-crack, what you're seeing is wider literally on wider on the top, yeah. And yeah, anything more than a quarter of an inch that's a V-crack, it's something you need to look at. Because consider if it's 15 feet or 20 feet from the back of the house and it's a quarter inch difference here, what's it going to be in the back of the house? Mm -hmm. Pretty simple math, right? So yep. um, those are important to, to then you start looking at structure and what has to be done now. 
there are lots of ways to arrest that. And often that's all you need to do. You don't need to lift the house back up. Mm -hmm. But there's also uh, push piling and pin piling that you can uh, and put in the house. In fact, you and I saw some down by Northgate mm-hmm. um, where you essentially you, you go get down to the bedrock. There's a certain amount of tension or a certain amount of torque based on the style you use if you're going to screw them in or push them in. Um, and then you know you've hit solid ground, bedrock, glacial till, whatever's underneath there. Um, and then from that point, you can add a, a hydraulic lift, and they'll run the lifts all the way along the foundation, bolt in the foundation, lift it back up, and secure it there mm-hmm. if it's necessary. So they can be fixed, and that a lot of houses are $25,000, $30,000 for that kind of a fix. Yeah. If they just have to go stop it, it could be half that. Okay. Um, the other thing here, it's really important to see, if you see any horizontal cracks when you're in a basement, mm-hmm. especially a really old house on the street side where the main porch is, mm-hmm. because that porch is at one giant piece of concrete, and mm-hmm. they always dip into the yard. Yep. And when the front of the, it tips towards <clears throat> the street away the, from the house. Right. Yep. And the bottom of it pushes against the foundation and often mm-hmm. it'll crack the foundation horizontally. That makes sense. Yeah. And you go look at it from the side and you see there's a bow in it. Mm-hmm. So that's a very dangerous situation because that is a failed foundation right there. Mm-hmm. But often that means that somebody will come in, say, here's how we'll hold it where it is. They can do a buttress, mm-hmm. essentially something to hold it right where it is. Um, and it's fine. And typically that means also they do something with the porch to stop the effect. But, you know, the horizontal and the V cracks with any displacement at all are the ones that you say, okay, we need to get, we need to dig into yep. this. This is a bigger deal than a much bigger just deal. a regular old crack. Right, right. Yep. Um, and then the other thing that I mentioned too in the in the foundation is just the white dusty material. What is that? Just that's called that. efflorescence. And okay. that is the deposit of salt that's left on the surface when water's moving through the concrete, pulling the salts out of the cement mix in the concrete. Okay. And they're just drying on the surface when the water evaporates out. So that's just saying that you have water entering the basement. Yeah. And water goes right through concrete. Yeah. Unless you have a waterproofing system on the outside or you do a waterproofing system on the inside, water's going to go right through it. And we've, you've had customers, all of you guys have had clients that have had, you know, things that were fixed with work done from the inside, mm-hmm. um, where you can use, there's actually a life crystal system that you can, you can put, apply to the concrete and it'll go inside all the concrete little fissures and cracks yep. and it'll grow in there forever. Yeah. This is one of my favorite products other than the impregnator, of course. <laughs> The, yeah, it's literally you paint on live crystals to the cement foundation wall, and when water touches it, it grows into that hole in the cement. It For, is, it's a forever fix. Forever. If it's, it's that crazy. style of if that style of leak, it, it's a forever fix. And you have some clients. Yeah. Um, that you just saw when we were playing Bubble Boy. Yeah. Bubble um, soccer <laughs> for our client appreciation yeah, party a couple weeks Jason, ago. Jason, thanks for that. Boy in the bubble part two. Oh. <laughs> um, so they, but they had a seeping wall mm-hmm. uh, because they had a grade back to the back wall. There was no uh, waterproofing. They had some, which they used to use in the old days, damp proofing. So it meant, okay, it'll kind of stop the water. It'll, it'll want to persuade water, but it doesn't totally stop it. And that was to coat when that house was built. Hmm. So that water coming through, there was no way to stop it from behind without a lot of excavation and a lot of work. So, that, so putting those crystals on the surface, I talked to him after mm-hmm. what, two years. Yeah. And he said it's dry as a bone. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's that called? Uh, Crystal is the name of the company. Oh. Crichton. Crichton and Crystal with a K. Hmm. Okay. It's not the. Good to know. It's not Crystal. No, it's, yeah. it's not. Yeah. Oh, darn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, yeah, I know. <laughs> so one thing, one thing I will say about that, though, it's not really a DIY product. Yeah. Um, it's not hard to install, but you definitely need to have some experience. Um, when we were in the contracting business, we did a lot of it in below-grade parking garages. 
um, and in elevator shafts, and you you need to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's not expensive. The labor for it's not expensive, but definitely have somebody do it for you. Okay. Well, I think this was super valuable. I hope. Uh, yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even I for people not did. even looking to buy or sell a house, just somebody to maintain their current property. Exactly. I think this was helpful for everybody. We tried to yeah. point uh, pick out things that would apply to all just residences, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like. Uh, even if you're renting, now you hopefully have some information about your water's really cold. Well, now we have potentially the solution there. Yeah, so exactly. Turn up your water heater. Go. Yeah. 120, don't go past it. Yeah, you don't want to burn yourself. That would be bad. So thank you, everyone, for uh, listening. Jeff, thank you very much. Uh, if anyone Thanks. wanted to reach out to you, where could they find you? They could call me Okay. at 425-233-1361. Or they could reach us at office at alkainspections.com. Or just go to your website, which is? Alkainspections.com. <laughs> That's where the office is. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, uh, everyone. And thank you, Charlotte and Jason. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. And great. thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank and, you uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. See you. <laughs>